0: Welcome to Sky's the Limit with your host, yours truly, Sky Estra. Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Sky's the Limit podcast. I'm so excited today because I'm talking to one of my best friends and an exceptional guest, Kara Feleman Yay, I'm so excited. But not only is she one of my best friends, but she also happens to be a pretty or have a pretty robust background when it comes to the food industry, when it comes to sales. She has held roles as the head of inside sales for Rezzy, aka you know Rezzy, it's the way that a lot of us book our restaurant reservations. She's had so many amazing, cool, career experiences and she even runs the Instagram account at eating with Kara as a hobby because she's always traveling and dining at the top spots around the world. So I'm so excited to chat with Kara today. We've got a lot to break down specifically when it comes to tipping etiquette. So thank you so much for joining me today, Kara. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on the podcast.
1: I've been listening since day one. Um, it's part of my weekly routine. So, very
0: excited to be on here. A1 from day one. Love it. Thank you. I, but just getting a second of your time is so great. And it's funny because we both work food and food adjacent in a lot of ways, but we don't really overlap when it comes to career so it's funny we're both on i'm on the east coast you're on the west coast we're doing this remotely and it's like we're doing a work meeting in a certain sense so i have to break it up and make it fun for us so it doesn't feel like work because we have enough of that in our life we don't need any more so okay this is actually really funny my brother got me this game. And it's I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's called food and drink. It's a ultimate foodie quiz. Okay. And So I thought it would be like a good warm up and brain teaser. Okay. okay. Get ready. I know you're good in school. So I have like just a couple questions. I'm going to pick a couple cards for you. And I tried these out last night. And like, I passed with flying colors. So I feel like you have even more knowledge than me. So we're gonna go for it. Are you ready? All right. We've got to live
1: up to the standards you just set.
0: (laughs) Well, here we go. Dun, dun, dun. See if Kara can pass the ultimate foodie quiz starting with, oh, you got it. Which three flavors are used in Neapolitan ice cream?
1: Chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry.
0: Great work. Passing with flying colors. Okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to do three for you because I think you can.
1: Are you ready for a second? just kidding
0: no we're not gonna mess with our wi-fi during this coast to coast experience okay question number two this has multiple choice answers okay what fast food restaurant is credited with introducing the first drive-through window a burger king b wendy's c mcdonald's my gut says mcdonald's
1: but i'm gonna go with my gut Okay. That's I'm what wrong. my guy said too.
0: But it's Wendy's. Isn't Windy. that weird? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That that one was a tricky one. That's like an actual like going to trivia. All right. Let's see if we can do this one. I, I think you've got this one. Um, and then we'll be the last. I'll take you off the hot seat after this. What type of flowers produce vanilla pods? A lilies, B orchids or C roses? B orchids yep you got it
1: okay just it couldn't be roses and it couldn't be lilies so we just went for the middle
0: yeah i well that works that's like how everybody passes the sats so i think you did a great job wonderful Uh, you passed the hot seat go kara Kara. okay well that gets our brain warmed up a little bit so that when we get into these questions it won't be so difficult because we've got a lot to go over today um We were just visiting you in California recently. You're located in Venice Beach and we went out to eat and had a lot of thoughts flowing about what's happening in the restaurant world and tipping and etiquette and how there's so many caveats to the way that we're interacting with service right now. So before we get there, let's learn a bit more about you and your background, starting with you growing up and your food fascination. I happen to remember your dad had a periodic table of fruits and veggies on the wall in your kitchen. Tell me a little bit more about your food experience growing up. Do you want a dentist that actually spends time getting to know you and your needs? A practice that not only provides regular cleanings, but also excels in straightening teeth, replacing missing teeth and helping highly anxious patients? Peach Dental is a family-owned practice that does just that. If you're looking for an elevated dental experience, join me at Peach Dental. It's where I go to keep my teeth healthy. Dr. Resnick is offering a special discount for Sky's the Limit listeners. Get 15% off teeth whitening and a 10% discount off of their office membership plan. Visit PeachDentalATL.com to learn more and book your appointment. Again, that's PeachDentalATL.com.
1: Yeah, so I grew up um, different than most children. Um, I had my first tasting menu at 11 years old at Spago. Most children are eating like chicken nuggets and french fries, Um, maybe some buttered noodles. Um, But I grew up in a foodie household. Um, I think my family was categorized as a foodie family before this was a trend. Um, And so I've always had a love of food. My dad is a phenomenal chef. Um, he's yeah. a scientist, but he's also a great cook. So you put those two together, hence the periodic table of fruits and vegetables <laughs> in my kitchen. Um, but yeah, I've always grown up loving food. We've always traveled for delicious food, been a big family that cooks as well as dines out. So yeah, I definitely attribute my
0: love for food and
1: cooking 100% to my dad.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, he just thought, I need to expose Kara to Spago when she's 11. Was he like, there's only a reservation for this many seats. So I'm bringing my daughter or you begged for it? How did this all go down? It's actually really funny. We did a family
1: road trip with my brother and my dad Mm -hmm. and I. And my dad wanted to go to Spago, right? He (laughs) had it on his list. And um, at the time, it was just us three traveling. And the way a tasting menu works at most restaurants is Everyone at the table must do the tasting or else you cannot do the tasting. Yes. And Sago offers a la carte, but they are known, you know, they were one of the first fine dining tasting mm-hmm. menus. Um, and my dad wanted to go. So he said, All right, well, you've got to get on board. And what's crazy is I can close my eyes and show like I can see the image of the restaurant. I remember every item that we had.
0: Um wow. it was just such a life-changing experience. Was Wolfgang Puck there? no he was not did you like have a fascination with him after or anything
1: no i i really I was so young um but i distinctly remember having this sweet corn agnolotti pasta dish oh my gosh and i loved it so much and you know i lived in texas and then georgia and then new york and i went to vegas um maybe like six years ago for the first time and i and i saw that there was a spago in vegas yeah. And at the time I was living in New York and I was there for a bachelor bachelorette and I saw that there was Spago. So naturally I looked up the menu <laughs> and they had the sweet corn agnoloti on the menu. So I called my dad and I was like, dad, when I go to Vegas, I'm going to go there and eat at the bar. And yeah. I, said, I don't even care how much money it is. It has such a fond memory
0: mm-hmm. that I
1: have to go. And is it going to live up to the hype? Um, so yeah. I took that eye that night, um, leaving Las Vegas back to New York. And I went to Spago and I sat uh, at the bar and it was just <laughs>
0: as good as I remembered. No way. Yep. That's such a like happy story too, because that's not always the case. Correct. Like when it's like such a fond memory that shapes your food history and like your nostalgia of childhood, it's very hard to replicate that. flavor and intensity of flavor again. Holy shit. I mean, that must have been like the number one dish on their tasting menu if they kept it on the menu all those years later too. It's so great. And honestly, a lot of restaurants now have sweet corn on but this Mm -hmm. was, you know, 22 years ago at this point. Wow. And as you were saying, like at the time where you were 11 years old, which was, I'm not going to age you, but it wasn't like last week. So I think like that at the same time, when I was that age, like it was so weird to be a food lover and to go out and not order off the kids menu. And like, I didn't like grilled cheese and chicken tenders. That wasn't for me. I was eating like a nice, like salmon or I remember having a great, um, uh, what's it called, a risotto with lump mm-hmm. crab and garden vegetables, that preachy and a goat cheese marinara. Like I remember those kinds of meals and it wasn't relatable to the people around us Correct. I feel like. But I, I, I always
1: say, I'm like, I am so proud, like so happy and that my dad introduced yeah. me to that world. But I'm also like, I spend a lot of money on food now because of you and I have centered my career around food. I've centered- yeah you know, all of my, you know, everywhere I've lived, I wanted to prioritize a nice kitchen so I can cook. So it's really
0: been a huge force in my life. Yeah. And it shapes you, it almost provides that comfort throughout your life too, of knowing that wherever you live, you've lived in so many states and places that you have a great food scene surrounding you in a way, you know how to cook really well too. So you always have that to kind of like be there for you. It's great.
1: And I think the, the thing I learned this at like a networking event that I went to years ago, go figure. Um, mm-hmm. but I heard the, the kind of saying the dinner table is the original social network. Yes. And to me, that's where it all stems from. I love enjoying a meal with friends, with family, with people I don't know in different countries. I might not even speak their language. The experience that you have at a dinner table, whether you're at a hole-in-the-wall restaurant, a fine dining restaurant, your home, someone else's home, that is that warm, fuzzy feeling. That's what I love. and It's the original social network. Put your phone down. You don't need Instagram or TikTok. You have people in front of you to share this amazing experience and it defies culture, right? Defines language. Mm -hmm. Anyone
0: can have an amazing experience, no matter who you are, what language you speak or where you're from. That's such a good point. And it allows you to be in the present moment too. You aren't thinking about anything else except for what is exactly in front of you and who is around you at that exact moment. It's pretty amazing. You know what, it just came to mind too, when I don't know if we fully understood how we were the two people like in college and our friend group and everything that really, really love food more than anybody else and i know you do remember this you had to take a drive from texas where you lived your home state to athens georgia uga um and i was like well we want to get those really pretty truffles so that we can have them for our recruitment stuff so you were like that's totally fine i got you i'm going to just drive like 200 of these oreo white chocolate dipped sassy sweet truffles with this edible like glitter they were just beautiful metallic truffles you're like "No." i got you i'll put a cooler in the back i know how to travel with like some perishable goods and you made it happen and those were the prettiest things ever
1: you know you gotta do crazy things for good food experiences and those sassy sweets chocolates are the best um i can add them in a minute but when i go back to houston i will definitely be getting some yeah
0: I, and if you want to drive any back cross-country, I won't say no. That flight is even a long flight. I think it's four hours for me to you now. Oh, gosh. Well, at least you have a great Delta status. You even just upgraded your status let's talk about this you flew for miles recently or flew for status got miles to fly for status so you're like okay where can i go for the day all right i'm gonna fly from la to san francisco if i'm gonna have to fly anyways i might as well center my day around a great meal tell me about this whole planning process and what went down
1: yeah so this sounds crazy to anyone listening um but Hopefully a lot of the listeners are in Atlanta and Delta is the hub of Atlanta. And I was just $150 short of reaching my gold status for next year. Yeah. And I was not going to let that slip away. <laughs> so I looked at what are the closest and most affordable flights from LA. And it happens to be San Francisco. I traveled to San Francisco a lot for work, um, over the last few years, but There's so many restaurants in San Francisco that I've wanted to go to, and it's a perfect place to just pop over for the day. It's a 45 minute flight. Um, I live 15 minutes from the airport, so really convenient for me to get there. And I just said, you know what? This is a once in a lifetime experience. It's a little crazy, but it's also going to help me next year for all the travel that I have. So I booked a reservation at a restaurant that I've wanted to go to for a really long time. And I happened to get to San Francisco early enough to pop into a restaurant that doesn't take reservations called Swan Oyster, um, mm. they have the most incredible crudo. And I just sat at the bar. I didn't have breakfast that day. I had a crudo <laughs> for breakfast. Um, <laughs> and then for lunch, we got the famous chicken and uh, string French fries. Um,
0: literally I'm drawing a. a blank of the restaurant name at this exact second oh well the great thing is you have it documented at eating with kara so i remember going through your stories that day i was like waiting for it i knew you were going on a wednesday this was like a couple weeks ago yep. and i was like okay let's see how that one hour chicken turns out you can't just go in and order at the counter with that chicken it takes like an hour once you get seated Correct.
1: zuni, so, cafe.
0: zuni, zuni cafe. cafe yes 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 yes
1: and it was phenomenal. And I had a friend that lives in the area meet me. And it was just such a cool experience. I got to San Francisco, I ate, I walked, I sat in the beautiful park, got my food, took leftovers home, sat in the lounge, and I was home at eight o'clock at night, brought leftovers (laughs) to my partner, he was happy, I was happy. And we have status now. So if anyone is short of status, and they have a restaurant they want to try, This is one of those once-in-a-lifetime, just do it, and you won't regret it opportunities.
0: For sure. It's almost like you want to be $150 under status just so you can have one of those cool day trips. Yeah. And especially if you are out of Atlanta, there's so many flights nearby.
1: Totally. And I do want to just emphasize that I'm not the only one that did this. I have other friends that have done it, so I'm not inventing the wheel. I'm just a copycat. However, highly recommend it.
0: Well, I know you're not a Bravo girly, but that was a whole storyline of the Real Housewives of New York this year. Because one of the husbands, Pavit, Jessel's husband, Mm -hmm. he was flying to Vietnam for status just to eat a banh mi and then come back. That's a little crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it was like that's extreme going on a 45 minute flight and having a little day to yourself at a great restaurant different but everyone was just like this is so weird why is he going to vietnam for bon me and he was like i'm just flying for status like and i really love sandwiches and so <laughs> you might have to watch real housewives of New York maybe, just- <laughs> maybe i don't know if i could really go i don't think i can do
1: it but maybe that episode
0: yeah maybe just that episode we've both um both of us have flown to that side of the world and it is not a small feat and nope. your hips are like bearing the brunt of it for probably a year until you get back like your body shape it's it's a long one it's a long yes. one and i i went on like yeah it was did you pod it going over there no
1: i okay i went to thailand and bali and japan i was regular economy was 36 hours of travel from New York Hmm. to Bali and at the time that was like such an amazing experience in the future would I and this is a big statement yeah I would not go out to dinner for months honestly to save money to to do a business class seat to Asia again because it is such a long flight and the time zone change That's the sacrifice I am willing to do is no going out to eat um, in order to have the right seat on the plane. A hundred percent, I would do that.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. After you've traveled for that many hours, it's just, it's an experience that I'm really glad we did while we were in our 20s because um, your body just can't handle that much longer. (laughs) It's like pot or bust for that. And I'm not trying to sound like so bougie and unrelatable, but... It's, it's really, really tough on the body and yeah, we don't even have to go into it, but we will have fond memories of food forever on that. And another reason to go check out at eating with Kara, because if you want to like flip back and see her trip and experience and all of her trips and experiences, lots of food wrecks that she's shared on there. Yeah. So yeah, cause you started eating with Kara when you moved to New York or when did you start it? So to emphasize to everyone, yeah. it's
1: nothing fancy. I don't um, curate it. I don't make it, you know, all the same aesthetics and color. No, this is yeah. my food journal that happens to be social media. Um, mm-hmm. For a while, I, I really struggled with: Do I want this to be, you know, something that I could potentially monetize or, you know, get a lot of likes on? But yeah. the Reality is that would take away the love that I have, which is just sharing amazing food and recommendations. So a lot of my stories, I have Google maps. I pin every location that I go to with recommendations. So a lot of people will ask me like, oh, I'm going to Mexico city. Where should I eat? Or, Hey, you love dumplings in New York city. Like what's your dumpling tour that you, you go to. And I'll just, here's the highlight on eating with Kara or here's that post. It's nothing fancy, but it's my way of documenting my love of food, but also allowing myself to share that with other people when they ask for recommendations because um, that happens very often.
0: You're pretty much getting organized and ahead of the game before the questions are even asked, which is (laughs) so admirable. And it just goes to show your mindset with everything and why you're so successful in your career, too, where it's like (laughs) everyone's going to ask me about this damn dumpling tour. Let me just get it ready. Photo evidence, the names of all the places, the addresses. If you have to ask me, I just link you right there and I do not have to like write out this whole thing. It's just so much better and the pictures are great too i'm thoroughly entertained all the time by it um yeah it's fun well do you want to just tell us a little bit more about like your career briefly and like your journey from you moved to new york city after college and then i guess it was intentionally that you kind of moved into the food world and food industry a little bit or did that just happen
1: so now that i reflect and look back at my career it makes total sense so before yeah. I moved to New York City, before I went to college, I worked at a cupcake store. That was my first yes. into the hospitality industry and I worked there for two summers. Great experience. That was customer service. I had to look a certain way. I couldn't have my nail polish a different color. I had to hand make the boxes, but I got the leftovers which was amazing. By far the best <laughs> cupcake I've ever had. That was my perk. Hospitality. Then in college, I actually worked at a restaurant for about six months um, as a hostess. And I was really fascinated with the restaurant because I was there from the opening, we tried every meal, we iterated on the menu, it was a new staff. I just learned a lot from being there. Yeah, But my personality suits very well to sales. And Mm -hmm. I actually interviewed at Scripps Media, which is Food Network. Mm -hmm uh, Mm -hmm. to be in advertising sales. I was really excited. I thought, oh, I love food people. You know, I'm, I'm an advertising maker. This could be perfect. And I honestly should find this person's name because she Mm -hmm. said, the recruiter said to me, you could do this job, but just speaking to you on the phone for 15 minutes, you will be bored. You are someone that needs to be in sales. Yes and i said okay well does scripts have any you know fit sales jobs and she says not right. entry level at the moment um so that was my first aha moment of okay i want to be in food because i love food but i'm having multiple people tell me i should be in sales so mm-hmm. i applied to two sales jobs in new york city one was yelp advertising and the other was a yep. company called single platform both yes. have to sell to small businesses specifically majority restaurants Um, And the reason is restaurants make up a huge percentage of the small businesses in America. Um, And Mm. they're constantly opening and closing. So there's new opportunity everywhere. And I ended up choosing to work at single platform, um, which was the best experience. And what we did is we helped restaurants and other small businesses manage their menu. So when you change the price of a menu, you change the item of a menu, you would go onto our product, Mm -hmm. update your menu, push save, and it would syndicate out to Google, Yelp, Tripadvisor, Foursquare, Facebook, their website. It would all, mm-hmm. again single platform, but I yes. had the repetition of speaking to restaurant owners every single day, whether they owned a individual restaurant or multi unit, um, or even yeah. you know a small franchise. That was my first introduction to really the restaurant tech space, uh, yeah. and quickly I fell in love with it. I loved speaking to people that love what they do. Um, the passion mm-hmm. was there, but I quickly realized the business aspect was not, um, nearly as strong as the passion. Um, yeah, and so I, I did that for a while. I sold, I managed, I trained, had a really great career there. Then I left and went into the data space. Yeah. And at that job, they said, everyone had to do a presentation on something that they have a hobby about. So I presented to the company, how to get the best reservations in New York City.
0: Yes, you did.
1: I said, here are the food bloggers to follow. Here is the articles like Eater and Grub Street. Mm -hmm. Um, Here are the apps like Resi and Reserve at the time. And Mm -hmm. when I did that, I realized I really miss the restaurant tech space. Data is not for me. Um, So I emailed Resi. They had just raised a Series A from Airbnb and Danny Meyers Hospitality Group. Um, and I emailed the CEO and said, Hey, these are all the things I can contribute to. I'm interested in working here and (laughs) led to the other. And I joined in, um, the summer of 2017. No, not 2017. Yeah. 2017. Um, and I was there for four years, uh, two years when we were resi and then two years after we were acquired by American Express. And at that time, I actually wanted to remember the stats. I think when I joined, we had maybe like 2000 restaurants. And when I left, we had over 10,000 restaurants using Resi.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's I don't even know how to calculate how big of like, I know that's five times 2000 equals 10,000. But like, I don't know what a percentage of that is. That's incredible.
1: And it was just such an amazing journey because we worked with unbelievable restaurants we had an incredible experiential team we did pop-ups we traveled um i had sellers in different markets um, we got to travel to those markets because we were kind of like a remote pod yeah unbelievable and most of the people that worked at resi were ex-operators um, so early days of resi were people that were gms or owners of restaurants um A lot of the customer success team worked as hostesses um, or servers. So Mm -hmm. my understanding and compassion for the industry really started at Resi.
0: Wow. It's just, it's really cool because I think both of us started our careers at such a time where everything was evolving into social and into the technology space. So it's like, we've been able to witness the evolution of everything and see how it is with like the old school mentality of like food and restaurants and service versus now. And it's a completely different space than it used to be. And there's and there's like a lot to update the public on with that too, but it's just, it's really cool because like you said, you're reflecting back and now it all makes sense of like why these decisions were made and why it applies to you. But seeing you as a friend on the side, it was always like okay you're yeah. being your best self you are growing and learning and all of these things even though i don't always know what to say that you do because <laughs> i just for a while was like my friend like is in sales and um she works with like justin's peanut butter cups like stuff like that <laughs> and
1: like exactly and so i think kind of just to round out the career is after i left resi um i wanted to do something different and i advise in restaurant tech and, and i am an investor in restaurant tech companies I definitely love it but i wanted to try something new but i didn't want to go too far away from the food right. so i actually went to work at a cpg company uh in tech so consumer packaged goods we specifically worked with all the better for you brands so when you think about um anything you see at whole foods or thrive market yes essentially is the type of brands we'd sell to so some of my favorite brands were that we worked with were chomps smart Sweets um lilies we worked with um lesser evil we worked with mm-hmm. um liquid death hint water honestly my entire cabinet is brands that we worked <laughs> with some of those were from shows and free product that i'd get but a lot yeah. of it were already buying it and so i think anyone listening if you're you know trying to think about your career if you can work somewhere that you already purchased those products you already have a passion for them work doesn't feel as much like work, even though you're working really hard. And I, you know, in the past 10 years, I've averaged probably working 11 hours a day, but it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like the grind of work because I loved what I was doing. I love supporting small businesses. Um, And when you think about it, a restaurant tech company and a small CPG company, it's the same small profit margins built by a passion, a small business, And you're fighting against the big guys. You're fighting against the corporate, you know, Papa John's and Pizza Huts of the world. You're also fighting against the Mondelez, the Coca-Colas, the um, big Pepsi, 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 all those. So they they do have a lot of similarities. um, But for me, they both revolved around food, which I loved.
0: Yeah, that definitely gives you that interest point. If you're just talking about things that like aren't. You know that visual appeal and you can't like be eating it on your calls at the same time i know you love like chomps and like justin's peanut butter as i mentioned you know if you're able to like incentivize yourself with the products that you're actually talking about i think that's amazing and it's just it's really cool and i just think it's so necessary to kind of inform your background a little bit because when we say that you have knowledge about the restaurant industry you have it from so many different angles and mm-hmm. from your own personal experience too that you probably have gone to more restaurants and more places than the average person. Let's just put it that way.
1: Definitely. So living in Manhattan for, you know, short of seven years, there's more restaurants, you know, per inch in New York than anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. and my motto when I lived there was ah, maybe don't go to a restaurant twice. There's so many new ones to try. Yes. I had my favorites, but, um, a huge part of my life living in New York was eating out and, and same in LA, but, um, I definitely cook more. Um, mm-hmm. My lifestyle is different than it was in New York. but, yeah, I mean, if I go travel somewhere, I prioritize that travel based on food. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm very lucky to say that I've eaten at some of the most incredible restaurants in the world.
0: yeah, and you have. And I'm constantly just in touch with you about where you're going and what you've eaten, and I I've, you have great taste, and so do I, I would say. So it's like everything that you're eating, I approve always. Yes. yes. Um, well, okay, so now let's get into the nitty-gritty of what today's show is about. It's about tipping and etiquette and the culture of tipping right now. And like I was pre- like putting in our, um, our foreword a little bit is that when we were together in L.A., there were just so many interactions going to two different restaurants together in LA that we were like, this is getting so complicated and it can be broken down into so many different directions. So I first want to go with a little overview and then I'm going to come in with specific questions about tipping and case studies. So I first just want to like overview changes that you've seen and noticed since your beginning days at Resi and when you're in single platform and kind of that pre and post pandemic restaurant experience that you're seeing. Yes.
1: Do you want me to go into that as like the whole ecosystem or just specifically as it relates to tipping?
0: I would say the ecosystem. Yeah, we can go with that. Yeah. So historically restaurants, I would say are really slow
1: to adapt technology. Um, when you think about the curve, they are for the way they like the phone, they like the pen and paper and that's okay. But the last 15 years there has been a tremendous push to uh, you know optimize technology to drive efficiency because minimum wage keeps going up cost of labor cost of food so these restaurants that typically operate on like a three to five percent um, margin are really suffering so I've seen this being pushed I think a good example is the QR code was something that was pushed like 15 years ago and restaurants, totally shut them down, like absolutely not. And this idea of menus being a QR code was just laughed at specifically in higher in fine dining. Um, it takes away from the experience. You wanna hand the menu, make eye contact, the menu changes. And one of the biggest things that I've seen change is QR codes, digital menus, digital ordering. And then I would say companies like Toast and Breadcrumb Um, these are all point of sale systems, POS systems. They were doing very well, um, pre pandemic, but during the pandemic, the increase in digital POS systems skyrocketed. And I think that has changed the industry more than ever, as it relates to tipping, as it relates to customer experience, as it relates to interaction in a restaurant, and I think it's good, but. There's a lot of, um, I don't want to say negative, but a lot of awkward situations that have occurred from it. And I'm happy to kind of talk about that, but I think POS system integrations have really changed everything. And reservations, right? Like reservations get away from this um, walk-in only, call ahead, but during COVID, you needed to make sure that you understood for contact tracing who was in your restaurant. adoption of technologies like resi or talk mm-hmm. or uh, seven rooms they've all really increased their market share yeah so more technology which is better long term but there's definitely
0: some kinks in the road with it definitely and i completely agree with you of just pre and post pandemic in atlanta like I never had to make a reservation before the pandemic. I really didn't. And I, I, I would, you know, every once in a while I would, but now I don't go out to eat without a reservation. It's become a mandatory thing in a high volume market of dining. So Correct. completely agree with that. And that's, I mean, you're so good at breaking this stuff down. No wonder people buy from you. <laughs> I love it. Okay. The second part of my overview question is are tips measures of good service anymore, or are they just mandatory fees that we must all like sign up for? If you're going out to eat, you have to just count on paying that fee. Yeah.
1: So I never knew what the word tip stood for. Do you know what it stands for?
0: I should know this, but it's like winter time. My brain's a little odd 50%.
1: I will tell you because I didn't know tip means to ensure promptness. guess what most of the time they are asking for a tip before you get your food yep so that doesn't make any sense so your question is does it mean service Mm -hmm. it should yeah and i think it depends on if you're at a coffee shop if you're at a pickup spot if you're getting delivery or if you are dining in there's variation But the word has not changed and the expectations across those different areas has, have not changed, which I think is a little bit of an issue. But at this point in time, tipping is this called this, this it's called tip inflation, tipping has gotten out of hand. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time it has absolutely nothing to do with service. Um, this is what you do because the minimum wage is so low and this is how people make money. But a lot of these service fees are not tips. They are three to 5% for healthcare, for a wellness act, for safety. I mean, I have a list. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole phenomenon going on in LA. There's over... Oh yeah, we're gonna get into We'll get it. into that, I'll save it. But mm-hmm. I, I wrote down a couple of the words that are on checks because it's just fascinating
0: to see no, you can like rattle off the terms though if you have them handy because it is it is wild. And also knowing that your hub for where you're dining out the most frequently is LA. Mm-hmm. And LA is one, you know, LA and New York are going to be the first adopters of certain fees and technology and things yep. and trends in the restaurant industry before the other cities subsequently come after. So like anything that, is happening in LA now is forecasting for Atlanta in like a month or something. You know, it's just the way that it works.
1: So here's here's a one that you see. Eighteen percent service fee to added to all checks. The service charge allows for a more equitable distribution of pay. It is not considered a tip and is taxed per state law. That's one. Another is A uh, 4% service charge will be added to each guest check to ensure competitive industry compensation, as well as health and be- health and medical benefits. Um, we will happily remove upon request. So what I'm seeing is there's brand there's companies doing like three oh. to 5% that are not included in tip, but they're just additional yeah. fee. Some of them are called entertainment mm-hmm. fees, regardless of what they're called. They do state in small print. You can request. To take yeah. that off. Now, let's be real. Wow. Who is going to in front of the server say, Hey, can you actually take right. 5% off the bill? Um, but it's mm-hmm. either gonna be 18 to 20% service fee, which is tip not included, sometimes tip included, yeah, or this three to five percent wellness service, health like employee, employee benefits. Benefit yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, that's that's interesting the different um wording choice and the different percentages that you're seeing. Okay. So let's go into this tipping case study in a more specific sense. So when we went out to eat, we went to John and Vinny's. Yep. And you had brought up while we were at John and Vinny's and by the way, everybody, we did see Gordon Ramsay there. Like yes, we yes. did see him there. Um pretty wild, but we're walking by, we go to our table, and then I get informed by Kara that there has been um, a piece written in the LA Times about how there's like a major Reddit thread that overviews all of the restaurants or just compiles all the restaurants that are stacking on these service fees or employee benefit fees or whichever category of fee that they are and getting kind of people versus restaurant reactions on it. So diners are kind of feeling they're being deceived because these fees are tacked on at the end and it's for restaurant workers needing things like healthcare and benefits, but it's to offset the minimum wage being so low. But why can't you just embed it in the menu prices? It's just confusing. So in your world and from that L.A. Times piece, do you feel like those fees are coming off deceptive? Do the people you dine out with? are finding it to be that way too. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're at a really high inflation point in the U S everything yeah. is expensive and to go mm-hmm. out to eat, to then have an 18% fee that is not inclusive of yeah. your tip to then have to tip 18 to 20% on top of that is 36% on your meal. That is unattainable yeah. for majority of America. That will say, you know what, yeah. it's not worth eating here. And guess what? For everyone listening, that applies to takeout at most of these restaurants. So it's not even
0: wow. Business.
1: So juice and gelina, it's an 18% service mm-hmm. fee when you um pick up. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. So it it really puts the diner in an uncomfortable position because they weren't expecting that. But I actually yes. have had an experience the last time I was at John and Vinny's before we went, um I read that, and the server says, "Please don't leave a tip." And I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "It's ridiculous because that eighteen percent is not included as tip." Um, and I just, I think that's extremely awkward. Like she told me, she felt awkward that we were going to have to tip an additional eighteen percent, and that put me in a so what you do position because I was like, yeah. "She feels uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable." Um, I think we ended up doing what we did, which was like, not a 20% tip. Um, yeah, but it, like a 15, yeah, or but something. it makes me feel uncomfortable giving a 15% tip because, right. Right. you know, we've talked about this, but unless the experience is horrible, it's 20% all day. Totally. Um, yes. but yeah, it was such an awkward experience. And yes, it would be more appropriate to pay your employees better, or it would be more appropriate to raise the prices. And
0: yeah. again,
1: it all stems back to the fact that restaurants margins are three to 5%. However, mm-hmm. the cost of goods have gone up. Everything has gone up and they can't make money. So one part of me says, I understand why restaurants are doing this because they literally can't survive, but there has to be a better way. And so that's another thing from the pandemic all these restaurants are now monetizing differently. They have merch, they have pasta sauces in the grocery store. They might have home kits to do home cooking. They've diversified their revenue. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, more restaurants can diversify their revenue and have less of an impact in dining. Um, but not that I know anything, but if I was running the restaurant, I would charge more for liquor than average because yeah. liquor has a higher profit margin. And you know, people are gonna do that. Mm-hmm. So charge more on my alcohol yes. and not make me pay that 18%. Fee.
0: Right. That's one way to kind of circumvent the issue. Totally. Great use of the word circumvent. Um, I just think the main thing is just like it's ingrained in us as Americans that tipping based on that like um promptness and service and just doing a great job, like we have to mm-hmm. do it but it's so awkward now, like our manners are messed up. We're in this moment of like, what is the manners? Because leaving a 15% tip on top of the 18% service fee that's caked in after all of our charges before that, and it's not a cheap meal either, Mm -hmm. like, You still leave, and I'm then I second guess the whole time was 15% enough, but then in total, it's 33%, you know. But then, are we and I forget even what we did. Are you tipping that additional percentage without the service fee caked into that total, or um, okay, so it's for sure, but this
1: pre service, this awkward feeling that you have is just one Mm -hmm. situation, I think. And, and not everyone's going to relate to that because not every restaurant is doing yeah. that service fee, but something I think yeah. everyone can relate to is going back to the toast tab, every single yeah. fast casual, right? If you go to a coffee shop or you're even at the restaurant and they bring the tab to you, that tab right. is, they set it up. It either starts 15, 18, 20 majority of the time you're mm-hmm. going to see 18, 20, 25. And it's such a pressure technique because yes. you don't, The person that you are tipping is literally in front of you. They can see what you're doing, but also the guests you're dining with, your friends might judge you. So this like awkward pressure of, am I tipping enough? Am I not tipping enough? Are they gonna judge me? Are my friends gonna judge me? Is the restaurant gonna judge me? I'm tipping before I even got my meal. If I tip low, is that gonna negatively affect my service and my meal? There's so many pressure points that this technology has created However, I will mm-hmm. say the average mm-hmm. tips have gone up
0: significantly with Tab. Well, have, <laughs> this average tip has gone up because of pressure. Now has the debt gone up too? Probably, well, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or has the frequency of dining out also gone up or has it gone down because it is so expensive every time that you're committing to going out? Yeah,
1: I I'm not sure, but I do know yeah. that they i was reading that toast just announced that they have seen an average increase in tip sizes Um, but on average people are tipping 18 to 20 percent. that's pretty standard in america um another like fun little fact um the reason that these this pressure technique works is because um minimum wage at a federal level is two dollars and 13 whopping cents and 43 percent of states are tipped employees now, california minimum wage is significantly different it's 1550. And yeah i think as of this year yeah. now it's 1678 but still oh majority of our ecosystem relies on tips and they are making two dollars mm-hmm. an hour because the government says oh well they're going to make up to have a normal minimum wage with tips so then as a consumer and you're lucky enough to dine out you have the money that disposable income you're like well crap mm-hmm. i'm impacted yeah Where, day to day life than ever before. So then you feel this. additional guilt. Totally. So it's a really weird feeling. But my, mm-hmm. my overall sentiment is, if you are able to dine out, then you need to treat the people that are working their butts off with respect. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that you know that when you're tipping that hostess or the server, it's not going to that one person. It's a pooled system. And to Mm -hmm. get that beautiful meal on your plate, there are a lot of people working, whether it's the dishwasher, the sourcer, there's a lot of people involved and it's just, I've accepted that it's a very fancy experience to go out to dinner, whether it is a hole in the wall restaurant or fine dining, it is a luxury, uh, just like the movies were when we
0: were growing up. Right. And I think such a good point of, it's actually a reality check for consumers Mm -hmm. to say, hey, we were not actually supporting what these restaurants were worth, maybe pre-pandemic or for the first like era of restaurant industry in this country, because we weren't, respecting the service industry to all the layers that it takes to get that meal on your plate to think about all of the factors like of um the of food costs of the dishwashers of the different plates and utensils of you know stocking with different like there's just so you know the water bill to have a nice working bathroom for you and having the decor a nice feel so there's so many different ways where it's just like, we may feel duped in this moment, but it's because we were not living in reality before right. of what it takes for a restaurant to run successfully and get you a nice plate Correct. of food. Um, yeah, I was ahead. gonna say
1: the the one thing that I find so fascinating is, um, I, I mentioned that Rezi was, um, funded yeah. by Danny Meyer's hospitality group. And for those that are right. familiar with Danny Meyer, he is definitely a pioneer in the restaurant space. Um, Union Square Cafe uh, is his original restaurant, very famous, iconic restaurant mm-hmm. in New York. But yes. he actually introduced no tipping to his restaurants in, I think, like 2015. And it was the first of any kind because he's like, in Europe, no one tips. And right, I want to prioritize hospitality. And I want to incentivize my staff that doesn't, the highest hospitality at any point in time. So he introduced no tipping, tip included, and it wasn't called tip included, right? Because tip, you okay. know, stands for right. different words. Think. Uh,
0: yes, promise. promise,
1: yes. So he <laughs> coined the term hospitality included, and that was 18%. And guess what? Raving reviews, everyone loved it. Mm. Loved to not have to think about the pressure of how much to tip. And, but yeah. he had the promise that his hospitality was gonna be top tier. Um. Yes. he pioneered that and it still works for certain restaurants i wish that more restaurants adopted it um nori and sugarfish in la has it yeah. it's great i know when i go in what my bill is i don't have to think about it but i also know that i'm going to have a good experience so i think if we could move to a world where hospitality is included but that means there's a responsibility on the restaurants to train their staff better it's so a responsibility on the restaurants to level up because if you do not meet the expectation, there is disappointment. But I can tell you every restaurant that has hospitality included and I get to walk away, they raise their prices a little and I pay 18%, I feel like I'm winning. And that is
0: a good feeling yeah. for a consumer to have. Much better than walking away feeling awkward and unsure if you did the right thing. and Even if you had a stellar meal, walking away with a feeling of, I, You know, that was easy for me and I got a great meal and I know that the staff is taken care of. That's the whole package. But do you think it is fair for all of that to be put on the restaurant? Should it not be maybe should federally, should minimum wage like be increased for people working on tips? Like it's just in this moment in time, $2.30 for a minimum wage minus tips. And then the restaurant owner being able to either pool tips or give them individually, like it just blows my mind that that practice is still in place. Totally.
1: I mean, the restaurant industry, I don't want to say is broken. That's not the right word, but it, it needs to be flipped upside down. Again, I just go back 4% 4% mm-hmm. profit margin is not is yeah. not it. And, and there needs to be a change. Um, and I think there's a lot of tech companies out there trying to make that change and find additional revenue streams for restaurants. Um, but yes, I think that people that work at restaurants are some of the hardest working people, and they are the backbone of our society. And we definitely need to make sure that they have health care, that they are, are able to continue to serve the people that go to those restaurants. Well, something's gonna I just don't know how or what. Um, but it's you know, going out to a restaurant is an experience. It's it's not just a casual, let me go to the restaurant, no big deal. Like it's expensive.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, you think about how much effort it takes for you to make a meal at yep. home and gather the ingredients and prep the ingredients, cook the ingredients, maybe look up a recipe, the time that goes into the actual cooking mm-hmm. process. You know, that's happening for you as a la carte as you want it. So it's definitely a luxury. And I guess our mind has to kind of switch around for that. Um, Okay. So let's go through a couple like tipping Q&A, like typical tip policies. Like what is your go-to? And especially with the awkwardness of that flip and tip right in front of you and the person, it's always a tall person looking over it too. And you're like, I see you staring. Your eyes are looking down. All right. So if it's a fast, casual order, you're at a coffee shop or something and you're ordering at the counter, is it a typical 18, 20, 22 or 25% for you or zero? (laughs) It is
1: either, to be honest, it's either zero or a dollar. I don't go by percentage um, because I'm getting an iced Americano. I'm literally, it's an automatic espresso machine. They pour ice on it, give it to me. Um, And Starbucks didn't even start tipping until 2022 like it's a new phenomenon so if i'm at a coffee shop it's you know a dollar 50 cents zero it really just depends um but no more than a dollar
0: yeah i do a dollar on an americano too because it's five dollars and then i just am like that's 20 percent right there um but thinking of that too with Starbucks. I don't know if Duncan tips, but that's what I was gonna ask about too. When it is a corporation like that, because when you're mom and pop, you see like you are impacting somebody directly. The person in front of you, you are changing their life by, I mean, changing their life. You're just helping their income be what they deserve. But if it's Starbucks, is the policy different? You don't don't.
1: tip. I mean, I don't drink Starbucks, but I don't (laughs) tip.
0: I don't either it's so bad um sorry anybody out there that drinks starbucks it it's always burned um okay so a pickup order is it the same as your like um coffee kind of pickup order um
1: i don't often pick up but i think a good example is on christmas i picked up chinese food and yeah Yeah. that was something unusual usually i would have just tipped like i don't know 15 18 percent um but i don't pick up often if it's going to be a large order um, and I actually tipped above because they were working Christmas, right? But if I was to pick up yeah. sweet green, I wouldn't
0: tip at all. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, got it, and noted because I eat sweet green a lot. Okay, so table service—if you have a restaurant with a server and there is not an additional service fee—is there—is there a tip? Strategy that you go through based on their service, or what is your typical go? It is double the tax,
1: um, which is typically yeah. eighteen to twenty percent. But I try; I shoot for twenty percent, um, unless service was horrible, and that would probably be like an eighteen percent, um, wow. fifteen. I, I think I've given a fifteen percent tip like twice in my life. Um, again, I'm talking uh-huh. about the U.S. In international, it's very different and in, in tipping policy. But yeah, twenty yeah. percent standard. Um, I tip on the total. I don't subtract alcohol. Um, There are certain people that subtract wine versus alcohol versus pre-tax, post-tax. I am post-tax, double it. And that's 20%.
0: Post-tax and double it. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. And do you change that formula? Let's say you're going to a work dinner and you're like, you know, taking other people out or anything, does that change depending on who you're around or that's just your standard go-to? No, nope, it
1: doesn't change. The only situation that I would change a tip amount to be higher than 20% is if I was hosting a dinner with like 20 people and yeah, there was a lot of people with, Hey, I need this on the side and know this and know that. And it was a very complicated order. And I thought they were just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I would say mm-hmm. that most of the time, six or more is going to have 20% included anyways.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Well, in Atlanta, it's typically 18% added gratuity with a group of six or mm-hmm. more. Do you add on top of that? Or is that your, I would add okay. on top of that? Yeah. Would you add like how much percent? I would get it at
1: took 20 to 20% at yeah. least. But if it was like very complicated and they were just phenomenal, then I would probably go up to 22. But again, 20 is my go-to.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's good to have that standard system in place for everybody because that is like 20%. Sometimes I'll be like, is that enough? Like, I feel bad. Like, I want to give them 50%. I wish I could, but then I could not dine out as much. And it's still, it's still more than standard to give that 20 percent standard is 18 20
1: i think what i've learned is anyone that has worked in the industry um tips
0: 20 percent. okay good to know there you go tipping q a with kara it's just it's like it's fascinating like when we were talking about this going out to eat i was just like we could talk about this forever because there's so many caveats. There's so many different ways that it could go and the industry is shifting so rapidly right now totally. too. And
1: if you go to a bar, do you tip a dollar per drink? And yeah. taxi is asking for a tip. Everyone's asking for a tip. Yeah. <laughs> To-go orders. Right. When it's through a third party, is it going to them? Is it going to DoorDash, Uber Eats? I just think that yeah. the more stress you put on the consumer, the less likely you're gonna actually have that repeat diner, because it's stressful, people mm-hmm. go out to dinner to enjoy themselves, not to be stressed out, and that was honestly like half the topic of our dinner conversation was the awkwardness of the thing
0: right, Yes, you don't want to take attention away from the experience and put it into that. make it easy for the diner to enjoy, and then they become that repeat customer, and also they spread good word about like your dining experience to people around them, and that's the best business model there. But yeah, it's, yeah, everybody's trying to navigate it, but if we can get to that place of ease and comfort and less awkward, that would be lovely. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I know you're a busy lady, but I just want to end on a couple things that I think you'd find interesting too. Since LA is like one of the top cities for dining in the entire world and you go out to eat maybe even more, I mean, we both go out to eat a lot, let's be honest. Um, I just want to think about like 2024 food trends and what we're seeing and what we're thinking about i have a couple things written down like i saw have you heard of like camel milk potentially being on our 2024 food trends list have you heard of this well
1: i just saw wonka and wonka Uh uses uh, uses camel milk for his chocolate
0: so maybe that's
1: where people are getting that from but no no thank you hard pass
0: (laughs) that's Wait I, now I need to see Wonka because it's like are they trying to like brainwash us into drinking camel milk instead of cow milk? I don't know, maybe or almond milk. Who knows? Because supposedly it's easier to digest than cow's milk, so that's why camel milk is. But I, I'm so I, I'm so confused about it. Pickles, spicy buckwheat single serving treats like caviar yeah. and and tin fish i think for us we definitely yeah. identify with that is there anything that's like popping off the charts for you for 2024
1: i'm definitely seeing a lot of uh caviar um yeah. and i'm also seeing a lot of fried chicken like i think that was definitely a trend this year um but there's a ton of different fried chicken and then also the cocktails it, it's weird because there's a huge mocktail push yeah and there's a ton of new non-alcoholic beverages that are really, I mean, you see it on the menu at restaurants. Yeah. But this fancy unique sipping at your supper vibe is such Mm -hmm. a thing.
0: Yes. It's the martini craze keeps on chugging too. Correct. But I think people are saying espresso martinis are out, but um, we'll see i say that i'm over them but like you know i think they they're good i don't want to offend anybody so deeply because people really have an attachment to espresso Mm -hmm. martinis but i would prefer just a dirty martini i would rather have blue cheese olives in my martini or i would even have i would have a martini with a twist too i would go the other direction or i would have i'd even go for a porn star martini with passion fruit in it works Mm -hmm. for me You know, I'm a a, a filthy gin martini girl. (laughs) That's I should have asked that for your order. That's great. I'm glad that you filled that in for me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So really having that like curated cocktail push and also curated mocktails too. I remember I did a segment on mocktails. One of the first segments I did on my good day Atlanta segment, like in 2018, I think. And now we're five years later. No, six years later, and we're still talking mocked. wait, I mean, there's an entire bar, like rest,
1: uh, it's a, it's called the new bar, but it's a 100% alcohol-free cocktail bar in LA and it's in my neighborhood. And they have like over
0: 200 brands of non-alcoholic beverages. That's so cool. And also like the labeling and all of the marketing around these brands are so cute mm-hmm. too. I just love them. I think that's probably a trend too, It's making design a really impactful part of your selling point.
1: Yes. I mean, every, I mean, there's a reason why TikTok shop is doing more revenue than um, Instagram right now.
0: They Dang. are
1: because people want to see what you're buying. They want a pretty aesthetic. They want to be able to post it. You know, what's eye catching? that's why all these tin fish companies they mm-hmm. have such cool branding because tin fish let's be real it's a little weird if you don't yeah. really know that spanish culture
0: mm-hmm. so
1: to appeal to someone to be like oh have smoked sardines or smoked mussels you have to make it trendy and you know smoked fish has been around forever but now it's trendy because of the branding
0: yeah, those. I'm thinking of the like magenta and blue with all of the little florally details on the outside. I can't remember the brand of that tin fish. You probably know it, but they're so cute. And it makes me want to eat sardines, but I just like that's not my first choice. What is it? Fishwife. Yes.
1: Fishwife.
0: Fish yes. They're selling them everywhere. It's just so yep. cute. Okay. Well, Maybe we'll hop on to some of these trends the next time we dine together, but you know, forever, we're going to be loving all of the food that we eat near you. I mean, Jelena and Juusta that you just mentioned, John and Vinny's was great. Like, hmm. was I can fun. never eat enough Jelena and Juusta. I'll just put it that way. Great white was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was great because they did not have tip included and we got to choose our
1: own destination and yes. That was great because we enjoyed our meal and the food was great, the service was great. Um, and they received the benefit by getting a twenty percent tip.
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: Make it easy. And we're talking about it
0: now of being happy and remind or remembering it in a very fond way and wanting exactly. to go back. Yeah. Exactly. Well, okay. Thank you for breaking all of this down. I truly the way that you put everything, it was so compelling, and I just love getting this breakdown for everybody to think a little bit more critically about the way that we're interacting in a restaurant and why we have to do it in this moment in time. It's really cool, and also Kara is just an amazing like mind for all of this too. And I, when I was like looking at your LinkedIn earlier, I was like, "Damn, girl, you have you have a following on there too. Yeah. It's pretty awesome." So I don't know if you want people to follow you there, but you know. I think there's more
1: followers on LinkedIn than there are on Eating with Kara. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I love what I do and I love helping small businesses um, and I love eating. So i always <laughs> open to talking about food and experiences. And I think what you and I are both very real about is like, yeah, that wasn't worth the price or yep. yeah, actually like it's super cheap and it's worth every, you know, wait in that 30 minute line. because. The price to experience ratio is like phenomenal. And I think yes. that's what we bond over. Um, yes, I've been to great restaurants, but great is not associated with price. Mm-hmm. Um, great is associated to me, it's to kind of wrap up it's the ambiance, it's the experience, it is the food, it is the service, um, and it's the people that you're with. And if you kind of think about that as a whole, then you say, Okay, was it worth that dollar amount?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But to me, if the food is amazing and the experience is amazing, the hospitality is great. It's going to, it's going to be hard for me to be upset about paying a high price point. But yes. let me tell you, if it's a high price point and I am disappointed, I am disappointed. Um So right. I do a lot of research before to make sure I won't be disappointed.
0: Yes. And that's why you should use Kara's research before you dive into a place too, because it's just, if you're going to commit to that high dollar. You want to make sure you're committing to something you're going to walk away with that good feeling you want to walk away having a good meal a good feeling and none of the awkward and none of the regret that's what we're trying to avoid you know correct correct yeah yeah i love when we get to eat together
1: and hopefully next year we'll have at least a couple experiences to eat yummy food together whether it's atlanta or DC, pc PC
0: or san diego yes Um, all sorts of different places to, to see each other at. Yeah. Shout out to Elena and Adam for some of those trip destinations that we'll be going, but okay. So everybody check out Kara Felliman on LinkedIn, eating with Kara on Instagram. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love talking to you. This is great.
1: so fun to, to just talk about restaurants and tipping and everyone tips differently. I'm not the right way or the wrong way, but I just think you have to understand like how people are paid and what goes into it and the more empathy you have the more understanding you are but there's got to be changes and these random three to eight percent service fees that are not tips are really frustrating and that's that
0: yes wow that that wraps it all up with a bow that was perfect all right well thank you kara love you. you
1: Thank you so much me too, and happy to be on and excited to listen, even
0: though I don't love listening to my voice, but I will do it. Thank you so much for listening. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode of Sky's the Limit, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow along in the meantime on Instagram at sky.estrop or sky stropcom See you next week.